You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Mackie and Judd, I, where are you guys? Huh? Uh, official business. We're here, okay. Official business. Don't worry Kenny. about us. We can't oh. say. We can't say. We're, oh. uh, we're actually just outside the Jack Links. There's a beef jerky store at Target Center, and uh, it's going to get pounded for lunch here. Vikings heavy from Target Center. How paradoxical is that, Kenny? That's crazy stuff, Phil. It's uh, mind blowing stuff. Go Vikes, right, Kenny? Yeah. At the end of the day, it still comes down to football, the things we've done during the season offensively with the quarterback taking care of the ball, throwing it to the right spot, getting us in the right checks, so on and so forth, um, are more important probably than playoff experience. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of emotions going uh, you know, going through my, my mind uh, uh, on Sunday, but uh, but I'm excited. Right now I'm, I'm pumped, man. Um, it's fun preparing. Um, it's been a fun uh, you know, couple of weeks just uh, – you know the whole the whole atmosphere behind being in the playoffs has been uh, it's been a blast. I'm enjoying it. Involving the playoffs, regardless, the sense the sense of urgency has to be you know at a all time high. Um, again, because you, you lose, you go home, and so um, we, we want to start fast. Uh, we want those big runs. We want those big you know pass plays, um, so we can put a lot of points on the board. All right, Mackie and Judd, we're actually at Target Center today because the Timberwolves are red hot. We're gonna have Jamal Crawford on the show. Uh, probably in a couple hours from now after shoot-around. John Krasinski will join, but very Vikings-heavy as well today because, obviously, we've been waiting for two weeks, and uh, we're going to have to wait through three games to get there, but Vikings and Saints on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And when I ask you, you've been watching this team your whole life, I've been watching this team my whole life, it's a pretty easy answer when I ask, are the Vikings overdue to win a Super Bowl? Yeah, this is not hard. I mean, they're overdue to win they a Super Bowl. By, right? by uh, probably 25 years. So I did some digging this morning. I wanted, to, I wanted to dig into the data. I was inspired mm-hmm. by a Star Tribune article that was posted looking into the tragic nature of the Vikings' playoff losses over the years. And they actually went in and found they found uh, what's called ELO rankings that 538.com uses to project sporting events. All right. Now, apparently ELO rankings uh, were used in chess matches for a long time. So they did a really deep dive into the tragic nature of Vikings playoff losses. Mm-hmm. But I did my own deep dive, and we'll get to some of that Star Tribune stuff. You think the Vikings are overdue to win a Super Bowl, but you really have no idea. I mean, it is. I'm going to give you some numbers here that All are right. going to make you even. It's either going to make you even more depressed, or it's going to make you think this is the year where the football gods finally hand rings to Minnesota Vikings players. All right, right? let's let's hear the numbers. So I'm going to go across Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL and give you franchise all-time winning percentages. Uh And you can do the math in your head, the championships that these franchises have won over the years. All right? All right. I skipped NHL because it's a point percentage. Yeah, it's a little more difficult. And they changed it a couple times, and teams like the Predators are in there, and it's like, it's it's tough to... So anyways, Major League Baseball... The winningest teams of all time. Yankees, Dodgers, Giants, Cardinals, and Red Sox. A lot of World Series right there. Oh, my God, right? You think if there's a Mount Rushmore of, if there's five on the Mount Rushmore, 
you think, oh, those probably would be the franchises, and they've won the majority of the championships, and right? The Sox are, are the one team there that actually went a long time span, but then had had rapid success there. Right, and actually they were pretty good at. I mean, they were good in the '70s. They sure. went to World Series. They went to World Series in the '80s. They were good even when they weren't winning World Series. Uh, the NBA, the all-time winningest NBA franchises: Spurs, Lakers, and Celtics. <laughs> okay, that's basically outside of the Bulls. Every championship that's ever been won in the NBA, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe a pop-up one here or there by the Pistons. Mm -hmm. The NFL. Cowboys, Packers, Patriots, Dolphins, and Bears. So that's Cowboys, Super Bowls, Packers, Super Bowls. Yep. Patriots, Obviously. all of the Super Bowls. Dolphins in the 70s, Super Bowls. You think, well, the Bears. Well, the Bears actually have nine league championships. This is all time. All right. Nine league championships. The Vikings are right. The Vikings are sixth on that list. The Vikings are one of the all-time winningest sports franchises if you go across Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL in the regular season. Mm -hmm. And for them, I'll give you one more here, right? Most playoff games played in NFL history. I'm just going to read you the list of teams. You do the math on championships until we get to the Vikings. Uh -huh. Cowboys, this is most playoff games played. It is statistically impossible for the Vikings to not have a championship Oh, no, it's yet. not. <laughs> Cowboys, yeah. Steelers, Packers, Patriots, 49ers, Giants, Vikings. Vikings. So Think about that so what, list. So what you're saying is it's just time. It is what time you're saying for the football is gods starting to on, lift whatever ban they have on the Vikings. No, no more missed field goals. No more bad calls against them. No more weird passes thrown at inopportune times. What you're yes. saying is it is finally time for the, for if it's not a curse, a lot of bad luck to be lifted. Yes, it is. Enough is enough at this point. Enough that is, is enough. That is remarkable. So just those think, teams. When when you consider the teams that you just read from from three sports, and that the Vikings are that sol solidly in the middle of those teams, and are clearly the only team I believe it without a championship. Dude, that is, is worse than I thought it it's was. It's nuts. And uh, and I mean, obviously they're they're not quite the Cowboys in terms of winning percentage. But if you're just if you're listing off the teams in order, you think, oh, I mean. Oh, if the Cowboys have a bunch of titles, and the Packers, and the and the Dolphins, and the Bears have nine league titles, they've they've been around longer than the Vikings. And the Vikings have to have one, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I, it's just enough is enough. You've got the best defense in the NFL. You've, I mean, mathematically speaking, you've played in almost fifty playoff games. Mm -hmm. You've played in more playoff games than teams that have multiple championships. Mm -hmm. It's time for the football gods to grant the Vikings one pass this season, give them their ring. Well, and, and, Starts on Sunday. In the course of your franchise, you, you've had how many really bad years? I mean, three, they, they started maybe in six, three. They started in 61, and until Bud came here, they weren't very, very good, which is not surprising. But post-1967, they've had, what, maybe three or four awful years, and that's it. And besides that, you, you've got playoff appearances, Super Bowls in the 70s. So, and, and the one thing, too, is... Is it karma, in a good way, that this does give you a chance? You win three games, potentially all here, and and you are hosting the Super Bowl. I'll is, be rooting is for this, the Falcons tomorrow. I will be rooting it? for the Falcons tomorrow. I told you, yes. I have no interest. I have no interest in seeing this team travel. I want this team to be able to safely say, if, if they do their job, to safely be able to play all their games at home. I'm going to give you one more here. This is courtesy of the Star Tribune. All right, the Star Tribune put together... I'm a big analytics guy. Even I read through this article and I was like, "Okay, that's pretty heavy. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty heavy." Starch beans getting into it. I'll give you I'll give you one of the anecdotes that wasn't super super dripping with with analytics. Since the first Super Bowl in 1966, 
The Vikings have lost 48% of postseason games they were favored to win, according to the Star Tribune's analysis of uh, of a metric called the ELO ratings in game outcomes uh, stockpiled by 538.com. That's the fourth highest rate among the 30 NFL teams losing playoff games you were favored in Yeah, that have had at least one unexpected playoff loss. The other three are the Lions, which like barely play playoff games. Right. Uh, the Chiefs, who lost, again, unexpectedly this last weekend. Yes. And the San Diego Chargers are in that mix as well. Again, the team that, uh, I mean, I guess they lose playoff games, but yeah. they haven't been there quite as often as, as the Vikings. So... Any way you look at it, it's just it, enough so is enough. Don't, enough don't is be enough. depressed. Say it's time. Correct. There's two ways to look at this. Yes. Oh, my God, they're going to lose again to the Saints. Or, no, they actually belong regular season-wise yeah. and the success they've had for 50-plus years in the same conversation as many franchises, storied franchises, that have compiled multiple Super Bowl championships. If this happens, if, if the next three games go, let's say they go perfect according to plan, what is Vikings fan to make of themselves at that point? Because to your point about your uh, your uh, conversation that you did before our show on a station uh, down south yesterday, you know, when they said to you, you sound nervous, you sound, and you said, I'm representing Vikings fans. I mean, that's no BS. That's not an act. If this happens, if this goes as well as possible, what becomes a Vikings fan? I mean, are they... Is, is it comparable to what the Cubs did? But, of course, the Cubs drought was so long. Well, I mean, this is, is it, the Cubs drought was like three generations, maybe four generations. Mm-hmm. This is two generations. Like what? what this, is two gener- this is easily two generations. What does Vikings fan become at that point when, when, they, when they go back to the playoffs next time and they don't have, oh, my God, this is going to blow up? I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to contextualize this, but I guess you'd have to go and look at all the, the various Super Bowl celebrations. I think it would be... Sort of like when the Cubs won the World Series or the Red Sox in in 2004, I think it would be a celebration unlike anything the NFL has ever seen. I really think. I mean, hopefully people wouldn't have cars being burned and tipped upside down. But I think it it is the NFL's version of the Red Sox from the 70s, 80s, 90s. I know it's like you said, it's not the same time frame. The Red Sox were 86 years. 1918, right? They, yeah. They didn't win, win one from the 1918 until their yeah. 2000, and what but, was it, for? But it would be, I know that you could you could maybe say, well, but the Lions, I think there's there, there's no. other franchises that have had, that have just been, like the Cubs, that have been irrelevant and dormant for long stretches. Um, I, I think the Vikings do compare more to the Red Sox, because the Red Sox... The Red Sox weren't a dumpster fire in the regular season like the Cubs were for all those decades. Yep. The Red Sox in the 70s popped up and went to a World Series in the 80s. Uh, just like the Vikings have gone to Super Bowls, they've been to the NFC Championship game. So I think the Red Sox would be the comparison. And the fan base would probably go from insecure and well, that's gloom what I'm to maybe you, even overly from... obnoxiously cocky and confident and arrogant. 13 wins. This is a really good team. And still this week, you have you have this foreboding feeling of a lot of people are like, I don't even know if I can watch this game. Like there are, I, I've seen p- people tweet that they're not go- going to have parties. They want to watch the game alone. Like let's, let's we should put a poll up about like this. this is, we, we got into this yesterday too. This is the ultimate sports fan thing, though, right? Vikings are playing. I'm going to have my friends uh, come to my house. We're going to watch on the big screen. This is going to be great. You've got a lot of fans who are like, no, no. If they lose, I want nobody around. Like that's really weird. Yeah, we should uh, uh, let's let's come up with an official poll here. Dave Harrigan's back in the studio. We're hanging out at Target Center. Uh, you know, it's something if if you had your choice, I guess people do. 
do you want to sit through the Viking Saints game in its entirety? Or if given if given the choice, would you rather just rip the bandit off, tell me what the result is, and let's move on to the either move on to the offseason or move on like to the that, championship yeah. games? Yeah. Because uh, I've heard from a lot of friends who are just, I mean, it's, it's the best defense that a lot of us have seen in our lives, but there's still this amazingly anxious feeling going into the weekend. And in true fashion, yeah. we have to sit through three other games and a of course we, of for course the game we do. You got to wait for the last game on Sunday. Until late afternoon, it's going to be dark by the time halftime rolls around. I think that the difference in being a a Detroit fan is the season starts and you think, okay, you know what, we're going to win six games. I, I think if, if you're a Lions fan, the day you kick off to start the year, you're defeated. For the most part, the Vikings fan is an uh, is odd because a lot of times you're like this team could be really good, but then you get to this week and you start to tighten up, and it's natural, but it's really really weird because y- your foreboding doesn't start on day one. Your foreboding, for the most part, starts on day one of the playoff picture. You know what it is? Uh, did, playoff did, system. Did you ever used to watch the Twilight Zone? Of course, I love the Twilight Zone. Rod's I love thing. it too. Yeah, I, I've I've binged Imagine it over the holidays again. Um, we get we're getting skull horns too from people walking by. Everyone's wearing purple today. Uh, everything around the Twin Cities is lit up in purple. There's an episode, and they remade this in the '80s with John Lithgow for the Twilight Zone movie. Oh yeah, but um, uh, what's his name from Star from uh, Star Trek? Uh, he did the Shatner. William, William, Shatner. William Shatner. So William Shatner goes to he has a mental breakdown on a flight, and then goes to therapy for like six months or something. And, and the so guy in the wing, yeah. The guy in the wing, yep. yep. And so he gets, he goes to therapy, he's been fixed, traumatic experience, and now, all right, I'm back on the plane, yep. I'm ready to roll, <laughs> yep. and like every little thing he hears, he keeps seeing the man on the wing, mm-hmm. and eventually he has another mental breakdown on the mm-hmm. plane. That's us watching playoff games as Vikings fans <laughs> That's here. very well played. Listen, all right, hey, we're totally over that 2009 game and that Blair Walsh miss. All right, let's settle in for this game on Sunday. Oh my God, <laughs> we lost the coin toss. Oh my God, Terrence Newman Keenum is on just, the injury report. Keenum just threw a pick. This is over. I can't watch anymore. Yes. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah. Poor us. So, all right, let's 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 stick with Vikings here. Judd's Keys, after a playoff bye week, is ready to roll. Judd, is, is Judd's Keys ready to roll? Judd's Keys is set. All right, we'll have to wake, maybe wake Keys up here and, uh, and just make sure that everything's going to go. Oh, it's playoff go. week for Keys, man. Uh, Johnny Krasinski from The Athletic on Vikings and Wolves later on this hour. He'll join us in the uh, Fishbowl studio here inside Skyway, just outside Target Center. Write that down, predictions, at 10 o'clock. Jamal Crawford scheduled to join the show a little after 11 o'clock, and plenty more on Vikings and Saints, including Todd Furman in the 11 o'clock hour will help us make our official picks for this weekend's game. And it's a game show Friday. Mackie and Judd from Target Center. Mackie and Judd now continue. Oh, my God, you guys. I am so stoked you are here. You have no idea. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Well, you hear that? Sounds like we're ready to unlock a vault of knowledge bombs. Here comes Judd Zolgad's keys. All right, welcome back. We're at Target Center today. Hanging out, Mackie and Judd, talking Vikings from uh, the Wolves Arena. We're also going to have Jamal Crawford on the show in about two hours. Doogie already texted mad that I forgot to you tease You forgot to tease to, to yeah, him. Doogie's going to be here for a scoop This session. happens every time. No, he made the Twitter tease. Still, I think Doogie needs to. He's, Doogie, he's very upset. Doogie needs to be more secure in his uh, in his scoopage. He's got an audience. He'll be fine. Uh, but we're looking forward to a scoop session too. All right, Judd's keys yes. to a Vikings win and a huge playoff game against the Nolans Saints. All right, are, are we set, David? 
You know we're set. Always set. All right, then let's start with key number five. And we have a different theme this as every week as we do this week. It's a brand new theme considering the opponent. A very fine form of music that comes from the land of the Saints, New Orleans. It's all a Dixieland jazz theme this week, boys. And considering key number five, it only makes sense to go with this one to kick it off. Number five, as the Saints go marching in, or if you don't let them, slow the dynamic duo. Camaro and Ingram are two of the best in the league. Gentlemen, they became the first running back teammates in NFL history to each gain more than 1,500 total yards in a season. They combined for 25 touchdowns. They can both run and catch the ball. Kamara, 81 receptions on the year. This defense is very good. This defense is going to be tested. Now, Carolina did give you a little bit of a blueprint. Kamara, 23 yards rushing, 10 receiving against the Panthers. Ingram, 22 and 13. So there is a blueprint for how to slow them. Slowing them is key five, which leads into, though, if you slow them, this might become your problem. And I should mention that was the Dukes of Dixieland in key number five. Key four comes to us via the High Sierra Jazz Band. Play it, boys. I love this stuff. This is great. This Don't is you like, like this? old baseball, old-timey time baseball hey, music. Ah, the New Orleans Saints coming to town to take on the Minnesota the Vikings. Are gonna be a tough Can the boys thwart those Drew Brees passing attacks from down south? Drew we'll Brees. find out next on Fox. Drew Brees is one of the best in the league, and now here's the problem. If you slow the dynamic duo, your problem is this. Drew Brees, he can move around with fidgety feet. <laughs> Drew Brees... In the midst of the Carolina Panthers slowing his two running backs last week, 376 yards passing and two touchdowns. You want to give him fidgety feet. You might not sack him. He gets he gets rid of the ball very quickly. But what you can do is you can make him uncomfortable. In fact, it's imperative. It's imperative that you make Drew Brees as uncomfortable as possible playing on Sunday in a road game where it's going to be a little bit more uh, difficult for him to communicate definitely with his receivers. But giving him fidgety feet is going to be very important if the Vikings are to win this game. And key number three to a Vikings win over the Saints. Yes, key number four was fidgety feet. Key number three brought to us by Tim Wafflin, Connie Jones, and the All-Stars. Linger a while. Uh, just a leisurely walk, or if you're the Vikings offense, a leisurely time spent eating up clock on Sunday. Key number three, time of possession, as we've talked about all week long for the Vikings, it's going to be crucial because the one thing that you want on Sunday is you want Breeze to be on the sideline. Just as importantly, you want your defense to be off the field as well. The one thing you can't ask this defense to do is to be out there for a good portion of the game time of possession you want the vikings defense you want them to be effective so you don't want them to linger in that sense but you do want them to linger on the field to eat up clock on sunday and uh, key number two vikings and saints judd's keys to a vikings win key number two that comes to us from wild bill davison a tribute to the guy who will be leading that offense hoping to linger on the field it's the sensation rag 
That's right. Key number two is the sensationalist season for your Vikings. Case Keenum, the young quarterback. Well, he's not that young. He's actually pretty old, but he's been fantastic. Case Keenum comes from the the St. Louis Rams, which were a dumpster fire, and now comes and he's saved by Pat Shermer and the offensive coordination of a genius now had to do a head coaching job. The Texas sniper, that's exactly right. How is this kid not drafted? No one will ever know. Case Keenum doesn't need to be Superman in this game, but what he does need to do is he needs to be very effective. And most importantly, the sensation of 2017 now into 18 needs not to make any dumb throws or mistakes. I will say this because you're going to get the feedback now. Well, you just hate Case, don't you, Judd and Phil? No. I'm not going to call it concern. I'm going to call it, as we transition from the regular season to playoffs, gentlemen, I'm going to call it curiosity. A deep curiosity when it comes to how Case Keenum will play on Sunday. And without further ado, key number one to a Vikings win over the Saints this weekend. In a first ever for keys and headlines, we have a callback headline, boys. But there's a reason for it. It's a very different reason than it was the headline for number four. We bring you this time from Pee Wee Russell, but once again, it's Fidgety Feet. Key number one, don't be nervous here, folks. But yes, it's going to be the thing it has to be. Very simply, Fidgety Feet this time is saying, don't let Kai decide it. Whatever you do for the love of God, do not put this game on the foot of Kai Forbath. With 98 and 2015 in Blair Walsh, the one thing you don't want to do is make poor Kai Forbath have to decide this game at a crucial moment. So fidgety feet in this case is keeping Kai Forbath's feet off the field when it counts the most. You can't do this to Vikings fans. Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, everybody listen loud and clear. You can't put this on Kai's foot. Ah, yes, the boys in purple looking to avoid the tragic heartbreak of 1998 and 2013 when kicks sailed wide left. Kai Forbath, will he remain on the sidelines where he should be as the Vikings roll on to victory against the Saints? Uh, people are requesting us just do a full show in our old-timey time baseball voices. Oh, uh, we, we, we just do easily do that. Old... Yeah. Here's the problem. Here come the those, twins. those are great keys, Judd's keys to a Vikings win. Great headlines, as usual, executively produced by Dave Harrigan. How likely is it that you're going to get through three playoff games against <laughs> great teams, the Saints? We're talking about maybe the Patriots at some point. Uh, you might have to go on the road against the Eagles in fairly cold or windy conditions. On a How bad, likely is on a it bad field. that for a month you're yeah. going to avoid Kai Forbath making some clutch kicks to keep you around. I'm just saying... It's impossible. Okay, I'm just saying in game one of the playoffs for your team, let's not do that. I mean, game two, you might have to. Super Bowl, you certainly might have to. But just on Sunday, on Sunday at, let's say, approximately 06.57 p.m., if Kai Forbath has to trot on that field... You're going to have a lot of people that can't watch. The, the nature of these playoff games, though, I, be, I bet if you were to go back and look, you know, when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, I mean, Adam Vinatieri delivered a Super Bowl mm -hmm. with his right leg against the Rams uh, almost 20 years ago now. So to, hey, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I'm not going to feel <laughs> my heart. My heart's going to palpitate if he walks out of the field. You know what? Here's the scarier part. I think his heart is going to be palpitating. When, yes. When he walks out of the field. Yes. Um, but I, yeah, I'm trying to think. If I trust him less with like a 42-yard field goal game on the line, or if I trust him less in a moment where, 
hey, the Vikings just scored a touchdown. Man, they're about to take a, you know, they're about to take a sick a seven nothing lead to start the game, get some momentum, and then he buzz kills your momentum by pushing an extra point to the right, and then it comes back to bite you later in the game. I'm just thinking about... I can see all these scenarios, but... For the sake of this franchise and its fan base, I'm just thinking on Sunday, and it's going to be... I think it's going to be a close and good game, so it it might come down to kicking, but I'm just thinking on Sunday, let's not make it a fourth-quarter crucial field goal. Let's just... Let's help these people out. I don't know how much more this fan base can take. Well... It's, uh, I don't know. I mean, they're, they've they been nervous. You're, you're going to have to confront your fears if they, you want to win a Super Bowl. Vikings fans have been nervous since the Saints game ended last Sunday. This is, I think, going through this now, I think this is the most nervous I recall seeing this fan base. I don't recall them being, going into the first round playoff game in 2015, I mean, that team won the division and they were pretty good. But I don't think the expectations weren't like they are now because of the 13 wins. And in 98, they were so good. I think that there was a, a hubris and a confidence that that overwhelmed the the consciousness of the fact that something could go wrong. And in 2009, I thought they were fairly cocky, too. I think this is the most nervous I've seen this fan base. Uh, I have a reason why that is, especially compared to other sports when you make the playoffs. And plus, John Krasinski will join us. We can talk some. His time, it, we're... We're at Target Center, and so the timing of some of our guests depends on when uh, various shoot-around things happen. Jamal Crawford's going to join later on, Doogie with a scoop. But John Krasinski will join in the second half of this hour. We'll talk Vikings, we'll talk Wolves, and write that down predictions in 30 minutes as well. Mackie and Judd from Target Center. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Cultural wasteland filled with inappropriate metaphors and an unrealistic portrayal of life created by the liberal media elite. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Yeah, I think we as coaches... Uh, our whole lives have learned how to stay in the moment and um, it's again you know you do one thing then you move on to the next and so I really enjoyed the time I spent with those teams um, you know I thought we quickly just get back into preparing for the Saints. All right Mackie and Judd we're hanging out at Target Center today talking a lot of Vikings and Saints. Todd Furman will join around 11:30 to make our official picks. We have a scoop with Doogie in an hour from now, Jamal Crawford will join around 11 o'clock. So we have a jammed show today. But you were asking, you said you feel like, and I think I agree with you, this is the most anxious and nervous Vikings fans have been, just not to lump everybody into one group, but by and large, if you were to poll yes. in a long time. Yes. Uh, there was no anxiousness until maybe the late fourth quarter of 1998. Yes, that was. There was no anxiousness. Uh, I mean, there were some in, in 2009, but that that felt the, the Vikings were dominating that game, and the anxiousness didn't really come until the Brett Favre interception. Mm-hmm. In terms of like the creeping death feeling, right? Right. Um, and then and then this is this is why those those feelings are sort of few and far between. In the NFL, it's extremely rare. You can probably count on one hand historically since the Super Bowl era began in the mid '60s, an underdog team. Oh, is that live on the air right now, Dave? We have we have wolves highlights Whoa. in our ear right now. Wow, nice shot there. I don't hear it. So only we hear wolves highlights in our ear here at Target Center. A- Alan Horton is coming through our headset right, right now. It's so, doing play-by-play. Right. Oh, so we'll, you know, I've got a little, little bit on the background. I can't tell if it's right, a little we'll, or not. We'll turn that down. There it is. Okay. okay. I think I just fixed it. <laughs> nice let, work. Let, let us know if, uh, if we're good. All right, anyways. So... <laughs> I wish that came across live radio. It would have been great. It was like Alan Horton calling a Wolves highlight. They must be cutting something up behind the scenes. So 
there are very few underdog teams that win the Super Bowl. It almost never happens. It's always great defense or Hall of Fame quarterback. Or, like, how many times in your lifetime have you thought, holy crap, I can't believe that team won the Super Bowl? Almost never, right? Yeah, I'd have to think about it. Yeah. So, the, so, so when you have an underdog team, and the Vikings have had this before, that gets to the playoffs, you're not really that anxious because you know deep down inside they're probably not going to win the Super Bowl. Right. Like, when they made it with... With Christian Ponder and Joe Webb as their quarterbacks, well, yeah. you thought, I mean, they're not going to win. 2015, no though, right? But even then, you, you no, 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 but think I'm, they were going to win the Super Bowl. I, I'm saying 2015 was a good team, but you didn't go into that playoff right. saying, this is a great team. Exactly. They've got a huge chance. So my, my point being, if your team is an underdog mm-hmm. in the NFL, you don't really feel that anxiousness. The NBA is the same way. Mm-hmm. All right, we're in the playoffs. Uh, it's, it's house money at this point. So when those opportunities pop up where you actually have a team that, you know, one of the four or five teams that could win the Super Bowl, you don't want to blow it. You don't want your, you, you want to cash in because it's not, unless you have Tom Brady or right. Ben Roethlisberger as your quarterback, you don't get, now Patriots fans have that feeling of we can win the Super Bowl every year since 2001. Mm-hmm. For the Vikings, because they lack that franchise tenure quarterback, the circumstances and the stars have to align. You got to get Brett Favre for a season to fly in from Mississippi. You got to put together the league's best defense with 11 guys staying healthy. And it feels like this fleeting moment in time that you're not going to be able to recapture very easily beyond the moment that it's happening. So and it just it ramps up the level of anger. I think the anxiousness too is caused cuz in when I covered that team for the 2009 into 10 team for the Star Tribune, I don't remember the 98 storyline that week being huge. I mean, the Star Tribune had a front-page sports piece on 98 yesterday. I think now there's been so much that we're like, oh, boy. I would guess now, now because uh, certainly how, how things were communicated back then, it was different, and, and you couldn't get on Twitter and immediately say, I'm scared. But I would guess the last time the, a Viking fan base was this uptight about a game would have been the last Super Bowl in 77. Because that team, that was the, you had lost three, that was the fourth one, and at that point in time, you're thinking, okay, Tarkington's just about done. We've got to do this eventually, right? Other than that, I would say since then, there hasn't been a game where where you know your team is good and there's still of this anxiousness, foreboding, because, uh, like I said, in 2009, I don't recall this. I don't remember 98 being a focus. I think we now have so many so many losses that have been tough to take that it's gotten to the point where people are actually anxious. And I think you're right. I think if you give people the option and you say, okay, we can fast forward right now, skip Friday, yeah. Saturday, Sunday. We can make it 7.30 p.m. on Sunday. I think a lot of Vikings fans would say, I'm in. Yeah, Tell me I mean, what happened. And, and, and again, I'll go back to if you have the comfort of knowing, if you're a Packers fan from, you know, the, when they when they went into the, well, the, the, this is probably a bad example because they won the Super Bowl and then they went 15-1 and one the next year in like 2010 or 11, whatever year that was, and they got beat in the playoffs. Yeah, it's sort of devastating, but hey, you just won one last year. Right. You've built up angst equity, if you will. If you've already won a couple championships recently uh, and you know that you've got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback and he's only, at the time, 28 years old, you don't have that. I mean, it's de- it's definitely devastating if you don't cash in and you're a 15-1 team with Aaron Rodgers. But if you don't have the championship equity built up and it's been 50-plus years of mostly, well, not mostly, always a devastating ending, mm-hmm. and then you don't have the security of knowing, hey, 
man, this is our year, but we have Tom Brady. So next year is going to be our year, too. And then, like, five years from now is going to be our year, too, because we have Ben Roethlisberger yep. or uh, you know Andrew Luck before he got injured. Everything that was put together this year, and it's, it's, and it's very much Super Bowl ready, everything that was put together is, like, low percentage, right? Go grab a backup quarterback, and let's see if he'll work out. Check. <laughs> yeah, uh, works out very well. Go yeah. build a defense over four years through draft picks and savvy free agent signings, and then as all of those guys are coming together, hope that they are the best defense in the NFL and not, like, just the fifth-best defense. Mm-hmm. Check, right? Um, have your star running back go down and then hope that you've got enough depth behind him to where you can still have a high-powered offense. Check. But it's not something that you can just take from year to year to year right. like you could Aaron Rodgers or... Now, you yeah. can take Mike Zimmer year to year, so it's not like wiping the slate completely clean, but I'm just trying to explain that angst feeling. Part of it is you know that you probably can't replicate all of this next year sure. in the way that the Patriots can, in the way that the Steelers and the Guys Packers are to some degree can. Right, yeah. exactly. And I, I think the difference, too, is, is this. I mean, players, I, I truly believe that for the most part, players don't care. Like, players go from team to team now, and they're young. They They don't care. I don't think coaching staffs care, but it's impossible for a fan base not to care. It, it's it's impossible for a fan base to hear hear Zimmer say there's no curses and be like, oh yeah, you're right, there's no curses. They've been through too much, which is why, as I said, key one to me is the one thing you don't want to do to these poor people is have Kai Forbath trot on the field to win the game. But it's absurd to think that you have to like that you're going to avoid that for a month. I know it is. So no, no, I'm just saying for this one game. You're gonna to, I'm, I'm just saying for this one. There's there's no way that you the, can avoid that for one month. You think you're going to beat the Saints without a without a? I'm just field hoping goal? for the sake Good of luck. the. Fa- I'm hoping for the sake of the fan base that you don't have to do that to them. I say I say dive in, get over it, and immerse yourself, or don't watch, because that's there what will, that's, that's what NFL playoff games are, you know, especially when you have the Saints and Drew Brees. That's a great question. I wonder if there's fans who are going to be, even if they start watching, if one thing goes wrong, if that's it. Like, they're either pacing the entire game or they just can't take it. I'm sure there are. They just flip around. Fans they flip that, around sure. and duck back in. I'm immersing myself, baby. Well, I'm all, so I'm am all I, in. yeah. I'm all in. Um, well, you're going to be at the stadium. I'll be in the studio with superstar Mike um, Morris because Vetline is going to be hot regardless after that game is over. And, uh, and you can find us right after the final whistle, win or lose. Taking all your phone calls. Let's take a break a little early here because Johnny Krasinski is going to join us. We can talk Wolves. We're at Target Center. Uh, We'll stay on Vikings for large chunks of the show today. Write that down. Predictions coming up in about 20 minutes. It's Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. We're back on 1500 ESPN. Kick off your running season with 1500 ESPN and Twin Cities in Motion's Hot Dash 5K and 10 Mile. Coming up Saturday, March 24th, bring your Lumberjack best to this Minnesota-themed event. It features a top 10 U.S. post-race beer garden, live DJ, photo booth, activities for all ages, plus hot dish and beer from Summit Brewing Company. Registration is open now. All runners will receive a Storm Creek long-sleeve quarter-zip technical pullover. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Now back out to Target Center with Mackie and Judd. Thank you, Dave Harrigan. Yeah, we're hanging out in the Fishbowl broadcast booth right now. 
Uh, a lot of people wearing purple today, and the whole city is basically lit up. Our buddy jo- John Krasinski is here from The Athletic. Our buddy uh, Jeff Anderson from the Vikings was listing off yesterday on Twitter all of the buildings and stadiums, like Target Field's going to be lit up purple. So, uh, we- And there's going to be uh, the equivalent of Homer Hankies yeah. inside the Bring It Home Hankies inside U.S. Bank Stadium. So a lot of setup. There's no turning back now, Johnny K. We're all invested now. <laughs> no, you, ha- you have to be. I mean... What do the Vikings mean to this to this city, right? To this to this state? I mean, they are so far above and beyond the most popular thing, and now there's like legit optimism that it's not just this week, but Super Bowl, and so you you have to think the place is going to be on fire and probably a little nervous too. Hey, Johnny, am I right in your mind in saying that this is the most anxious I remember Vikings fans being for a game in our lifetime? Two thousand nine, I don't remember. The nerves, like the Saints game, got done against the Panthers on Sunday, and Twitter lit up with, "Oh, oh my God, oh my God, here, here it comes." This is, I, I would say, just guessing. This is the most anxious Vikings fans have been since the the fourth Super Bowl appearance. My guess is because that was the fourth one, and you lost the first three. I don't remember it being like this in in '98, certainly, and 2009 or 15. Yeah, I think you know, I think that has to deal with. Um, Despite all of the hard luck this franchise has had in '98, they're 15 and one, and I really think that everyone just thought there's no way we're losing this game. And I think that there was probably part of that in '09 as well. I mean, even though they were the two seed, uh, Favre was playing so great; uh, they had just destroyed Dallas, and so I think there was again like a an inner confidence that this was going to happen. And that one was on the road too, so maybe maybe you you were insulated a little bit from kind of the the home field angst and all of those things. But uh, yeah, definitely there is a lot of nervousness, and I think it all comes down to Case, right? Because as good as he's been, you everyone it feels like is waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, okay, when is the guy going to come back down to earth? When is he going to have the three interception game, and and when is it going to be a letdown? Where you know everything he's done to this point has said that hey he's going to be okay, and their defense is going to be amazing. But these this team plays closer games, and so I think it's everyone's just kind of bracing themselves for a white knuckle. Well, Sunday. I think the good news, and and and, and I agree. Uh, I think we've been we've spent a lot of time just sort of like what would you do with him long term, and I don't know, I don't. I, if, can I keep dating him? I don't want to get married. I want to see another year of this. But the good news is they haven't really had to lean on him to win them games single-handedly. It's not like there's been five games down the stretch where, oh, the defense gave up 28, go score 31, Case Keenum. Right. Now, maybe that starts to happen as you face. If you look at the slate ahead and you're going to face Hall of Famer Drew Brees, maybe last year's MVP Matt Ryan, or go on the road against Philadelphia, and then you either have to face probably Ben Roethlisberger or Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, so even if you have a great defense, they might still give up 24 points to a Hall of Fame quarterback, and then now it's on Case Keenum a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely, and and I wrote that uh, yesterday in The Athletic is um, what I think is going to be important in this game is for Case to let it fly and not play tentatively and not try and be conservative and, hey, I got a great defense, let's just kind of get through this game like very much like they did the last two games of the season, it felt like. And Green Bay was super cold, and then the, the season ender, it was Chicago was a pretty good defense, so you just like, let's just get through this healthy and get, get, to, uh, get to the bye. I think he's going to have to make plays, and he's going to have to be willing to squeeze the ball into tight windows down the field the way that he was earlier in the year. I mean, he's not—he wasn't a game manager this season. He was a playmaking quarterback, 
and they're going to need him to do that on Sunday if they're going to to, to beat Drew Brees and win this game. That's such a fine line, though, Johnny, because you you yeah. wa- you want him to do those things, but what you don't want him to do is say, "Oh my God, it's on me." Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the line he walks is. Can Shermer get him to play the game that, that he played earlier in the season against, at times, good teams, at times not so good? But can he get him to play those games without forcing passes in and things like that? And that that's where, to, to me, Shermer becomes absolutely key because you you don't want Case to, to, be a, to manage the game per se, but what you want him to do is you want the coordinator himself to give him an, an idea of, Here's what we need. And to me, it goes back to this. You've got to hold the ball. Because the one thing you don't want to do to this defense is say, go stop Drew Brees. Now go stop him again and again and again. So it's going to have to be a very smart approach. Yeah, and, and what Case said yesterday was it, it just comes down to decision-making. Like That's what quarterbacking is, and that's what he's been working so hard on is making the right decisions, when to let it fly, when to go down the field and take a chance, and then when to just check down, uh, you know, just hit your running backs, let them do some work, and just move the chains. And he's been really good at that all season long. So I, I, you, there, there's reason for optimism that he's going to be able to handle that. But you just never know until they get into it. He's never been in a playoff game before. How is he going to handle those emotions? We'll see. All right. So here's my thing. And oh, it, the glasses are coming off for this take. No, no, no. Glasses this is just the thing I don't get. And, and it's probably not just our town, but it seems to me like if you talk about case, if you have the discussion that we are having right now about case or an athlete in this town, you automatically don't like him. Why can't we have discussions about, I just don't know. Like, yeah. he's played great. It's been fantastic. But are, are you telling me that in 2018 he's going to be fantastic? I don't know. Why, does, why in this town especially does that translate to, well, then you must hate him? You're either with us or against yeah, well, us, Judd. Uh, well, is, is that Sid and FSN North? Is that no, where, where we live now? You know, no, I don't think so, really. I I think it is a product of all of the PTSD that is in them, in fans, and like they've been hurt so many times, and so when a good thing is going, they want to hold on to that good thing, and they have all the same doubts. Like, let's if they're honest with themselves. If they really think they they they're wondering about this, they're gonna walk into the stadium on Sunday with butterflies and just thinking, "Oh, please don't break my heart again." That kind of a thing. They're but they don't want to hear it because then it just brings it out into the open. Instead, they want to just be like, "Everything is fine. This is gonna be great." You know, just just believe, and that's all that we need to do. And and so so I think there's just sensitivity there. Just giving all the scars that 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 everyone is still carrying. Yeah, Johnny K hanging out with us from the Athletic. All right, uh, you're here covering uh, Wolves today. They play again tonight against the Knicks. They've okay in the last month. They've gone from the worst fourth quarter team in the NBA, and some pretty clear tension, even just like on the court. Carl Anthony Towns not playing. All all these things, and now they're beating the best teams in the NBA. And, and resting starters in the fourth quarter of those games. So what are the biggest things you've noticed behind the scenes talking to people about this team? Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it is night and day difference between, say, mid-November and where we're at right now, even late November. I mean, the, the, it was a team that was struggling to find itself and to figure out chemistry and, and to do all And so early in the season, they were winning games, but it was just on their talent. They, they had really, really good players, and they found ways to win and sometimes win ugly. But you watched them play, and they just didn't 
like playing. They, they, this was a real grind, and a lot of people were frustrated with Towns because he wasn't playing very good defense. And, and so all of this stuff was kind of just hanging in the air. I think there were some players that were, were upset with playing time, and, 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 and there was just a lot of drama, um, even for a team that was winning games. And, and somewhere along the line, in a, about three weeks ago, really Carl Anthony Towns became a franchise player again. And he really devoted himself to defense and to setting a tone on that end. And when that happened, like a lot of the frustration that maybe Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson and some of the veterans were having with him started to dissipate. And there, and it was more like, all right, this is what we wanted from you, Carl and see what you're capable of. And, and so when that happens at the top of the pecking order, that really can kind of trickle down to the rest of the team. And that's the tone setter. And so now you, you do see that there is just a general kind of good feeling around everybody at the top. And so now they're not just winning games on talent. They're winning games because they're playing really well. And so it just is a lighter atmosphere. And that seems to have bred a confidence and kind of a ferociousness on defense, to be quite frank, that wasn't there. And, and now, and now the fans are, can feed off of that too. Now five straight sellouts Mm -hmm. and, and they, they're, they're watching a team that is having fun and not, you know, just kind of holding onto the steering wheel as tight as possible. And all of that, some of the air has been let out of the balloon. And so that's just been, it's been an enormous key. What changed for Towns defensively? What I mean, is he is he starting to get it, or is he starting to apply himself? Well, yeah, I, I think he's just applying himself because he's always been very smart, and even in his rookie year, he showed some real signs of being a good defender. I mean, was he ever going to be Tim Duncan or Dikembe Mutombo? Maybe not, but he was making plays in the right times and in the right situations and you thought okay he can do this so when especially at the start of this year when it wasn't happening you're just kind of scratching your head and saying you know this isn't Kevin Love like this isn't a guy who's physically incapable of doing this it's just for whatever reason it's he's not applying it to and and I think there was some confusion he was trying to figure things out with the system and stuff like that but he just seems comfortable now and I think that um, some of the media criticism and things like that got to him a little bit he, he's very cognizant of of his public image and and things like that and he used that as as motivation and good for him I mean players do that all the time but glad we could all help yeah really, you exactly know? yeah so I mean you, we what, get the assist all of us when, when, when he's collecting an MVP <laughs> trophy you guys can be right can, up on the top yeah, but exactly. yeah so but yeah he just I think he's also just had some success with it, and so then he says, "Okay, if I do this, then we then this is what happens." And he, I mean, he's controlling games right now. It's him and Butler. That's a that's a one two punch that not many teams have. Yeah, we have one more minute left here. Johnny K from uh, the Athletic. You can read his stuff. Uh, the Athletic Minnesota. Um, Tom Thibodeau. It. I don't know. I just the the, the tension seemed palpable. It see, and he was kind of barking at the media earlier in the season. Is he still? The same as he was a month ago. How would you how would you characterize the Tom Thibodeau dynamic with all of this and the success they're having? Well, I I, I mean I think he's the same. He's not going to change a whole lot. Um, but 
at the same time, he absolutely needed this stretch to happen with some success, you know, 10 wins in 13 games. Like he needed some of that to come together because it wasn't very good. I mean, there, his public approval rating was very low. He was getting criticized for some of his in-game decisions. Some of the players were coming to him and saying, I need to play more. And, and so um, there was all of this kind of swirling around, and to his credit, I do think he had conversations with Towns, with Jamal Crawford. He talks with Jimmy Butler all the time, and he has made a few adjustments at least to try and address some of the issues that were going on. And the other thing that happens is now when they start winning, now the players see, okay, what you were telling me, it's working. Yeah. And so now I now I believe in it a yeah. little bit more. And he's still ranting and raving um, in games, but he doesn't have many practices. He's trying to be a little softer that way and, and understand what's going on um, and, and have a little better communication. Um, but ultimately what it comes down to is the players needed to see that what he was asking them to do would work in games.